Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome as we come together to worship. Those joining us online, thank you for being here as well. Um, you may wonder why we have uh, things that are a little more patriotic today. If you were in Sunday school, you saw the decorations. I hope that as you came in, you noticed that there is a new addition to our property. Uh, we have a beautiful flagpole and flag that was presented and dedicated Friday morning uh, by Woodman Life. It was a very uh, moving service. You may have also noticed that it's still at half staff. And I talked to Brother Jerry and uh, any others that like to help will probably change that after our service and after today. Uh, but today being 9-11, here we are. 21 years now looking back and so today with the, our dedication of our flag on Friday many were not able to be here and so I felt like it would be a good idea for many of you to still be able to have part of dedicating that but also with 9-11 landing here on this Sunday a day of remembrance I understand that we've got folks here that you were very little or maybe not even born when that day came about in the way that it did. I will never forget that day. And if you were alive in any way of knowledge of anything, that day forever changed us here in America. On that Tuesday morning, in simple uh, elementary school, as the chief of staff whispered into President Bush's ear, we are under attack. Things begin to change forever. Why do we take this day and remember? A total of 2,996 people were killed in those 9-11 attacks. At the World Trade Center, 2,763 died. That figure includes 343 firefighters and paramedics, 23 New York City police officers, 37 Port Authority police officers. At the Pentagon, 189 people were killed, including 64 on American Airlines Flight 77. And on Flight 93, 44 died when the plane crash landed in Pennsylvania. We come today to remember those that gave their life and lost their life on that day. We come to remember and honor not only that, but also those that continue to serve as first responders. And part of our service today, we will honor those in our service today that if you have, have served or are serving as a first responder, we want to honor you on that day. So we will sing patriotic songs. We will sing songs about our nation and being reminded of God's favor and also God's grace in difficult days. But we'll also sing a song that I love, a simple hymn entitled Without Him. Because after all, we also remember on this day that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, we have no hope. But in Him, we have hope. We have hope as individuals, 
We have hope as a community. We have hope as a world. All that would cling and run to Jesus. So on this day, we remember and we honor, but we also have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we go to the Lord in prayer, Brother Jimmy will be coming in just a moment. Would you stand with me as we honor God in prayer and we begin our worship service this morning. Father God, I am so incredibly grateful to be here in this place with your people this morning. On this very special day, as we honor and remember all that took place on that day 21 years ago, on this very day itself. I thank you for those that gave their life running into the chaos when others were running away. An attempt to save lives and to rescue lives gave their own life. We thank of those that continue to do that today. And Lord, we pray for the families of those even in recent days who gave, uh, their family members gave their life to protect a community and a region. But today we don't come without hope. We come with hope because of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And even as we sing some patriotic songs, we also sing knowing and exclaiming with our voices, without you we can do nothing but with you, thank you, we are saved. So this morning I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, they will come to know you. Anyone here that doesn't, Lord, have a relationship will come to have that relationship. And by your grace and through your mercy, God, you would move. And again, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people. And God, move in our worship time. Bless Brother Jimmy our musician, and open our hearts to receive what you have for us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me invite you to grab your Bibles today and go to the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 32. Deuteronomy chapter number 32. And we'll be looking at verse number 7. And then we'll be flipping over towards the end of the chapter and looking at verse number 46 and 47. Just felt like the Lord was leading in this direction as we think about this day and what it represents. Mark had mentioned the red bags. Now what are the red bags for, Pastor? My heart, as I have prayed and sought the Lord as we move forward as a church into the fall, I'm like, uh, I know you're, or you're like me in your heart. There's folks that we miss, folks that we would love to see back with us here for various reasons, and only the Lord knows. But we also, in my heart, know that there's people all around me and all around you that don't have a church home at all. Matter of fact, it's not just because of COVID. It's been many years since maybe they have been in the house of God. There's also a lot of people around you and I that are lost, that have never been saved. And so what are the red bags? What is that all about, Pastor? Why does that have to do with what you're talking about? Inside that red bag is, number one, some good candy. Hello, amen. Always helps. 
But there's also a brochure that uh, we put together this week, uh, myself and Susie and the ladies that were here, and I sure appreciate them, uh, Miss Brenda, Miss Gail. They helped so much. I told them this week we're going to put them some beds up here because they stay up here so much serving. But put a brochure together. Matter of fact, you can grab one. It just talks about the ministries of our church and has the updated times that we meet together. I want, I'm going to have these out front when we dismiss today. I would encourage you to grab one. and Sometime in the next several weeks, invite somebody. Invite somebody to come and be your guest here at Center Baptist. I hope next Sunday to start a new series on the family. Family Matters from the book of Genesis. And next Sunday, we'll look at this thought where God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Not just talking about marriage relationships, but relationships and how we need each other. Did you know there's people out there, they don't know what we know in here? They don't know that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. They don't know there's a family they can be a part of that will love, for, love them, encourage them, and pray for them. They need to know that. And guess who God's called to do that? You and I. So I want to encourage you. This is a way you can be a part of being a missionary right here in our own community. This morning, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, it's the end of that book, and we see that Moses is getting ready to hand the, the leadership over to Joshua. God has led the nation of Israel out of Egypt and they were supposed to cross into Canaan, but they disobeyed God. So for 40 years, they roamed in the wilderness. But here they are right at the brink of the Jordan again. Matter of fact, Deuteronomy means second sermon. It is Moses saying to them, I want to remind you of where God's brought you and where God's taking you. But at the end of this book, he writes what we call in the Word of God a song. And God said, I want to give you this song, Moses, because at one point, this nation, even though they're going to cross over Jordan, they're going to fall back. This group of people that are called by my name will one day walk away from me. And I want them to have this song as a witness to know my Word in their heart. And so he says, if you would, you'd stand with me. Verse number 7 of Chapter 32, he says this. Verse 7, Remember the days of old. Consider the years long past. Ask your father and he will tell you, your elders, and they will teach you. Now flip over to the end of the chapter. Verse number 46. This is the closing words of this song to the people. And he said to them, Take to heart all these words I'm giving you as a warning to you today. So you may command your children to carefully follow all the words of this law. For they are not meaningless words to you, but they are your life. And by them you will live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the privilege to be in your house with your people. Father, we need you today. I need your help. I need you to help me physically, spiritually, emotionally. I need your help. Please, preach through me the truth you have for us today. And may we leave this place different than we came in. 
And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You might be seated. When I think about what this day is all about as Americans, not just as Americans, but as Christians, those of us that call the name of Jesus, those of us that find our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, three truths that I know for sure. We live in an evil world. Sin is present. Satan is in full battle array. The Bible even says, as I'm reading through the book of Revelation, Satan knows his time is short. And so he is in full-blown attack, seeking whom he may devour. Why do moments like Friday morning happen when two officers are ambushed? Because we live in an evil world. Sin is present. Satan is in full battle array. Why do moments like 9-11 happen to a nation? Why do moments of difficulty and heartache happen to individuals and families and people? Because we live in a fallen world. But also know this second truth. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is our hope. Jesus Christ, we, we know the Word of God says, greater is He that's in us than he that's in the world. Things are bad. Things are difficult. Things are evil. But God is greater. There's a song that Courtney and I like to listen to on Sunday mornings from New Song. And it's all about the resurrection. This morning I couldn't help but notice as I was getting ready in the bedroom and Courtney was getting ready in our bathroom and I just leaned in and I saw tears streaming down my sweet wife's face and I thought to myself, here's what I know, the hope that she has, the hope that I have is the fact that he is alive. Let me bring good news to you today. Evil is present. Satan's in full battle array. But Christ is still Lord. He is still able. And he is at work in the lives of people, saving souls, changing lives, and making difference. Walk into a middle school and see children raise their hand to get saved and talk about Jesus. Go to a football Bible study and see people see get their heart life and change. Go to the victory home and see lives change in the Hickey House and other ways. Walk among our community to the down and out and let them know, yes it's bad yes Satan's real but Christ is risen today and he is the one we cling to. But also know this, third truth. He's called you and I to be salt in life. He's called you and I to be the hands and feet of Jesus. He's called you and I to influence and to make a difference. So what do we learn from this passage? We know he's talking to the nation of Israel. He's saying to them, God told Moses in chapter 31, he said, Moses, they're going to go across Jordan, but they're going to walk away from me. They're a stubborn and a stiff-necked people. You know what that means? They ain't going to move. They're going to be stuck in their ways. But I want you to know, Moses, give them a word. So let them remind them it doesn't have to be that way. I'm telling you all I hear around me so many times in the world we're living is it ain't ever going to be like it was it ain't ever going to be like this again these are rough days I say you know what you're exactly right these are tough days these are tough moments sometimes it's hard plowing just to be a Christian just to do right and to say right but I want you to know something Christ is not dead he is still alive God is still able and these can be the greatest days we've ever known 
if we'll respond to the word of God. You know what he's saying to them? I know you're going to go astray, but you don't have to. I know you're going to go this way, but let this word, this song be in your heart as a reminder and a testimony you don't have to go that way. It's so easy to go with the flow, isn't it? It's so easy to throw our hands up and say, well, things are bad. I'm grateful to see some young folks. I'm grateful for every age here, but we think about those in elementary and middle school and the young adults that are here and, and what they're facing, things that maybe I didn't face, looking around us of all the things that's happening. I want to say something to you. God's got you here for a purpose. Jimmy was talking about your family. Young man, 48 years old, called home to be with the Lord and their family Friday morning. I don't understand those things. But here's what I do know. Everybody look at me. If you're alive and breathing and you're saved, he's not done with you yet. And if he's left you here, it's for a reason. I'm telling you, God said to us, you're to be the one to make a difference. Three words I want to lay before you that Moses laid before the people. Number one, the word remember. He said in verse number seven, remember the days of old. He said, when these moments come, when you get across Jordan and you get to a place where you get complacent and comfortable, he even says in the chapter, he basically calls them fat. That'll bless you. You know what a bless a, Let's just use the word big man. When somebody comes up to your plate on a Friday morning and they say, hey, do you have enough? Is that your second plate? And I'm not going to tell you what I said to them when they walked off. Amen. Hallelujah. Because, <laughs> by the way, it was my first one. <laughs> but it was a big one. It wasn't my fault. That's the plates they bought. They were big. I had to fill every one of them. Amen. But what he was saying to them, listen to him. You know what he was saying to them? When you get full, everybody look at me. When you get full of the blessings of God and you get complacent, he said to them, and you forget it was God that got you where he got you. He said, when you get to that point, look back and remember and ask your, your forefathers, how'd they get here? How'd they make it this far? Some of us need to be reminded and look back and say, we didn't get here by ourselves. God made us here. God brought us here. God helped us. We need to remember the goodness of God. We need to remember how good God's been. We need to remember where God's brought us from. We need to remember where we were before God brought us where we're at now. We need to remember some things. Every time we have pancakes at our house, I'm reminded of the season that that's all we could afford was pancakes. Every time we're able to pay our bills, I remember a time when I was rushing to the bank on a Monday to get the check in the bank to make the house payment before it went through. Anybody want to help me? We need to be reminded of how good God's been but I'm only reminded how good God's been. Remember where God's brought us from. He told them, he said, you're going to think, you think you fought those enemies on your own? You thought you defeated those wars on your own? God was with you. Listen to me. As America, yes, we've had our downfalls. Yes, we've had tough moments. But I'm telling you, we would not be even a superpower right now if it wasn't for the almighty grace of God. God's favor upon this nation. By the way, look around you. 
You've been blessed. You got food upon the table. You got clothes upon your back. Listen, you didn't get there on your own. God did that. He said, be reminded of where God's brought you from. But also, he said, be reminded, he tells them, of when you got full and you got complacent and found yourself in a mess. Don't forget the message you were in. Why? To be reminded, not going back there. I try to tell some of these young guys that God lets me be around, and I don't know why. I, I told John Luna the other day, I said, you understand the age difference in you and I? Here you are at, the, at this Bible study in shorts and what you call them, choco thingies. And, and, and I said, I, 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 I'm, that's not me. I said, John, God let us to be friends, and I'm two years away from my AARP card. Right? But here's what I tell them. He'll say, listen, he said this to me the other day. He said, if you'd have been me, you'd have done the same thing when you was my age. I said, you're right, but I was wrong then. I can look back now and tell my 22-year-old self, I shouldn't have done that. Some of us need to be reminded of some of the messes we were in. We've forgotten how much God pulled us out so we can rejoice now and say to our, ourself and say, hey, self, don't go that way again. Don't you remember God's grace pulled you out of that? Don't you remember when you made that mistake? Don't you remember when you took that trip and went that way? God pulled you out of there. Listen, he'll do it again, but don't go that way because there's still scars. There's still messes. There's still stuff. There's still consequences. He said, remember. But then he said, resolve. He goes through a whole, I don't have time to go through this whole chapter, but he lays out before them, here's how good God's been to you. Here's where God brought you. Matter of fact, he makes a statement in this chapter, Jacob, you were a wasteland. You were a nothing nation, and I blessed you with my favor. Y'all understand America shouldn't even exist? I mean, think about it. I mean, an upstart group of people that I'm telling you, under God, couldn't have made it. You won't talk about a mess now. Everybody wants to think this mess in Washington is new. Go back and read the letters. Go back and read the history accounts that I've read of the stuff that took place and the arguments that took place in that Continental Congress. I'm telling you, they weren't all buddies. Were they, Jeremy? No. Read your history books. This ain't new. How in heaven's name they get together? I believe it was the first thing they ever did. They prayed. They sought the face of God. And God brought his favor. But he told them, you're going to go away. You're going to mess up. But I'll, I'll come back and I'll minister to you and I'll rescue your nation. But he says to them in the end of the chapter, here's where I'm going to land for just a few moments. Here's what he says. Take to heart all these words that I'm giving you today as a warning to you today that you may command them to your children to carefully follow all the words of this law. He's saying, let me give to you a warning. Don't go down the path of rejecting me and walking away from me. He said, take it to heart. Here's the word God gave me. Not only remember, but resolve. Resolve in your heart to hear the word of God. Everybody draw in for just a few moments and I promise I'm done. What do we need to resolve? What does it mean to, to resolve? It means to make a commitment. He said, I want you to hear these words because I don't want you to go down that path. I want to see 
you as a people blessed what's happened to our nation when Agent Rogers used to say in the 80's the things that used to lurk in the back alleys now parade right down Main Street when you've got people that once and by the way do you know why our elected officials put their hand on the Bible there's nothing in the Constitution that does that you know why because George Washington started it because George Washington said I understand the oath I'm about to take he's also the one that said so help me God but now you got elected officials that want to put their hand on the Quran and other things you've got people that want to different transgenders that want to have roles in our political office and mockery of the things of God. I know this ain't popular. Hang with me. It's about to get a lot more uncomfortable. And you want to know where that come from? God, change Washington. God, bring revival to the White House. God, bring revival to the, to the nation's capital. That ain't biblical. I just messed you up, didn't I? Now, it is biblical to pray for our leaders, but let me tell you what the Bible says. If we want to see revival, here's where God put me. When you say pray for our nation, what does the Bible lay out for us, the people that prayed for their nations? By the way, pagan nations they were a part of. You can say what you want to. Yes, there's a large number of people that still believe in the name of Jesus, but by and large, we are living in an anti-Christian environment in America. How does that change? Let me tell you where it starts. It doesn't start. Do you, you pray for our president? I pray for him to get saved every week. How do you know he's not saved? I don't, but I'm just saying God knows his heart, but I just, anyway, I'm, pray, so I'm praying for salvation. I'm not going to change that. I'm not going back on that. I'm praying for salvation every week. I'm praying for our governor. I'm praying for our senators. We ought to do that. But if I'm asking God to move on our nation, you know what the Bible says? The men that lived in cultures that were pagan like ours, they didn't start with the government. Read the prayers of Daniel chapter 9, of Ezra, and read the prayers of Nehemiah. You know what they started with? They started with this. Lord, it's me. We're in the mess because I sinned against you. Lord, we're in a mess because we as your people have sinned against you. So when you say, let's pray for our nation, you better start with this. Don't start there, start here. And start asking these kind of questions. What is my relationship with Christ right now? Where are the sins in my life? What am I letting go in my life? What am I letting say this ain't a big deal, but it really is a big deal? Best I can tell from Nehemiah, he wasn't even alive when they rebelled against God. But Nehemiah said, I'm part of that group, so just join me right in there with them. You know what happens to Christians? We want to say, Lord, save the criminals. Save the folks in jail. Save the folks in Washington. Save all the folks that's doing wrong. Amen. And... That's my new sound, by the way, Brother Gary. I'm sorry about that. The Bible says, start with me. 
The Bible says that Michael Wilkes needs to get in his prayer closet and get along with God. And if I'm going to pray for America, it's got to start with me and saying, what am, where am I not right? Where am I wrong, God? Search my heart. Search my motives. Search my attitudes. God, start with me. And then I start praying for our church. Amen? You want to see revival come? It will not come from Washington. It will come from our churches. When revival broke out in America, it never came from the political institutions. It came from the small hamlets and villages of churches that got right with God. So if we're praying for America, we better start praying for each other. We better start praying for our churches. We better start asking the question, am I pure? Are we pure? We better start praying prayers like Daniel and Nehemiah and Ezra that says, God, we've rebelled. God, we've messed up. And God, if we see anything happen, it's not because we're good, it's because you're good. They laid themselves on the mercy of God and said, God, please, we're not worthy. We've messed up, but we need your grace. We start praying those kind of prayers we'll see something happen in America. My role as a Christian means when I start saying this, how can I do right? How can I make a difference? How can I be salt and light? Everybody look at me for a second. That means for those of you that are still in school, that means that you say when... And, and by the way, it's not about the world knowing about it. It's just doing what's right when you ought to be doing right. It's about taking your Bible to school when it's hard because maybe somebody may make fun of you. You want to see a courageous person? <laughs> you let somebody talk about Jesus in their school. That takes courage. I'm telling you, I, I was so honored Wednesday and, and, and other times I've been at FCA in middle school and high school. It takes courage to say, I'm going to go to FCA. It takes courage to say, I'm going to go to that Bible study takes courage for that child to invite somebody to church. It takes courage for that child to maybe wear a t-shirt that has something about Jesus on it or a bracelet. You say, preacher, I don't take courage. Yes, it does. Hear me, hear me, student. Keep doing it. Teacher, I know there's limits to what you can do, but there's also other ways you can do it. Even before your kids get in there, it's having the courage that I know many of you do, and you're praying over your classroom, and you're praying for your kids. God bless our teachers. <laughs> I, told those, I told everybody that would listen Thursday, I could not be a middle school teacher. Ms. Kinsley got to see it and others. It was, I just wanted them to line up in a straight line. Twelve of them couldn't line up in a straight line. I could not be a middle school teacher because I would be fired because I had put three of them in the corner, four of them on a coat hanger, not in a bad way, just lightly placing them on there. Our teachers every day are face to face with kids that don't have a home, that don't have hope. Thank God for you, teacher. Be right, do right, live right. God will honor it. How about you and I? We come across people every day that they don't have a church home and they don't know Christ. And why do we keep silent? Why do we keep silent? Why do we think? I told somebody this week, talking to their loved one is a matter of life and death and it hit me so much. Everything we do is a matter of life and death. 
do what? That's right. It's a young adult that says, I'm going to stay pure before marriage. It's a young adult that's in a business and all the guys are going after work and going to get some beers and you say, no, I'm going home. It's teenagers saying, I'm not going to that party. I'm not going to that thing. It's a family that gathers at a table at a restaurant. It's not ashamed to say the blessing in public. It's a dad that his kids don't even know that he's walking by their room and he's calling out their name. <laughs> you think Job's kid ever knew that he prayed? No, but they just, Job did. It's that person taking that pie, taking that cake, taking that meal to a shut-in, to someone who's sick, to someone that just needs encouragement. It's showing and sharing the love of Jesus to every person. It's giving that personal invite. It's, help, help me, you know what, one thing we can all do, everybody look at me, try this. We can smile. Everybody at some point in the day is going to be having a bad moment. It might be you just need to go to yourself in the mirror and go. All I'm saying, listen to me. He said it's your life. Everybody, please hear me. Please hear me. What we do for Jesus cannot be just locked up in this room. It cannot just be locked up to the people that we just, our own individual family. We went to Operation Christmas Child yesterday. I'll be honest, I didn't want to go because it was Saturday morning. Game day comes on at 9 o'clock. This meeting started at 10. And I said to my youth director, who happens to live in my house, isn't that why you do what you do? And she said, you're the pastor, don't you think you ought to be there? She pulled that pastor card way too quick. <laughs> way too quick. But I got there, number one, they had cinnamon rolls from the Dillard house. I knew God was in it. I'm telling you, from the Dillard house, are you hearing me? They didn't pick those up at Ingalls. I'm telling you, from, I knew God was in this. Michael said, where are you going? I said, did you not hear the woman? She said, that was from Dillard house. I made a beeline over there that day. Then I got to hear of why we do what we do with Operation Christmas Child. Because kids all over the world are hearing about Jesus. But you know what broke my heart? Broke my heart! Broke my heart! Across the United States, on average, 25 to 30% of the churches in every region will do Operation Christmas Child. In northeast Georgia, it's less than 15%. Michael said, why do you think that is, Daddy? I said, because we say this, us four no more. But I tell you what I say about our church, and I'm not just pinning roses. We may listen. We just up here in Robertstown. I know we we don't have all. We we may not have. A, I, I'm not putting off on anybody else. I'm just telling you, we is who we is. And we are who we are. But I'm telling you, God's been good to us. And as one man said to me Friday, there's a lot more going on in that church than it looks like from the outside. And I said, you're right. So don't ever think. That pie you take to the victory home, that meal you bring to the hickey house, that, that thing you do for our teachers, that gift you give to help us do what we do in our community, that, that box you fill, that thing you listen, you're making a difference because it does matter. 
because people apart from Christ are still going to hell. And God's called us to make a difference. How can I make a difference as a citizen? Why, how do I need to resolve as a citizen? Same way, vote the truth of the Word of God. You know what blew my mind? The number, if you go by the number of people that say they're a Christian, 80% in America will mark that. Less than that are registered to vote, and less than that actually vote. The one thing you can do to make a difference in our entire nation, and by and large Christians, don't do it, because it's either hard to get there. Listen, there's all kind of ways. Find a way. Now, how am I going to vote, preacher? You need to vote as God leads you, but I want to tell you something. You hear me. You better do your research. I'm about to say something some of you going to like. Because you say, preacher, you don't say much about how we ought to vote. Because listen, I know Michael, and I get on my soapbox, and son, it's on, and it's probably going to be Michael and not Jesus. But I will say this. If you vote somebody to put them in the governorship, when they've said on national television and other ways that the Bible has no place in there that says it's against abortion, you should not vote for that woman. And what's her initial? Stacey Abrams. Right? Come on. I'm telling you under God, it's time we start saying right's right and wrong's wrong. Do your research. Don't walk in there and go, I don't know what I'm going to do. You better pray about it. Do your research. Find out where they stand. They ain't going to all be right. We ain't voting for a Sunday school teacher. We ain't all going to be right. But find somebody that will stand on morality, that will stand on life, and then leave the results up to God. But you do your part. Stand for what's right. I know an old boy that used to stand up for some things. I know an old boy that said when they're going to bring alcohol to the community, he'd stand up. I know an old boy that said they're going to bring a gay straight alliance into high school, he'd stand up. That old boy got whipped too many times. That old boy got to thinking his it didn't matter no matter what. I'm telling you, God started stirring, and that old boy say, hey, hey, old boy, and his name's Michael Wilkes. It's time once again maybe to get fired up every now and then. Tell some folks where you stand. Don't be afraid to go to a meeting. Don't be afraid to stand on the principle of God's word even if you get whipped you'll know you've stood now if you disagree with me my email is robertstown one two three four five six seven eight nine no it's not here <laughs> listen I'm not trying to get up here and just be all controversial I'm just telling you two things we better get a hold of it's high time we start living like Christians. Amen? It's high time that we start saying, God, let it start with me. And by the way, you are, you are. Take courage. Don't be discouraged. And if you fall, get right back up in the power of Christ. But let us also stand strong on the Word of God. Why? That God might bring revival. I'm going to tell you what's happening. Boy, I'm trying to finish. I promise. Please hear me. You've been so gracious. Here's the final thought. Preacher, how did, how did 9-11 happen? I, I'm, not a, I'm not a prophet, but I've been thinking about it for years. 
I'm not talking about the logistics of it. I'm not talking about the, the scheming of it. How on our own land did we get attacked? I want you to hear me. The Bible speaks of a hedge of protection. The Bible speaks that God will set a hedge about his people. But the Bible is also very clear that when his people sin against him, the hedge of protection gets dropped and there's a gap in the wall. There's a gap in the wall. I believe with all of my heart, it wasn't Washington, it wasn't who was in office, it was God's people, we had let the hedge drop. We had not been what we ought to be. And because when the hedge drops, evil can come in. You know what the Bible says? When we drop the hedge of protection through our disobedience and walking away from God, that he will let the hog loose. Anybody in North Georgia know what kind of damage a hog can do? Help me, somebody. It'll flat tear up a piece of property. And the Bible says when the hedge drop, the hogs are let loose. Preacher, how do we get it back? Ezekiel said God looked for somebody to stand in the, in the gap. He couldn't find nobody. Two things. Number one, I believe God's calling his people to stand in that gap through prayer, through living right and doing right, seeking the heart of God. But number two, I want to say something to you. There's a greater gap that was made when man sinned against the holy God. And we were separated from God and a gap was made between humankind and the divine holy God of the universe. And Job would even cry out, I wish there was somebody that could lay their hand on me and lay their hand on God and be a mediator to fill in the gap. Let me tell you, God filled that gap with His Son, Jesus Christ. Please hear me. And this is, I'm finally done, I promise. Next week, we're going back into a series of studies, verse by verse, word by word. It'll be a whole different direction. But final word today. In the midst of all that's happening, in your life and in the life of our nation, we need to look to the one who stood the gap. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He said to them, don't go this way. I want to bless you, he said, in that land, but you've got to follow my word. So number one, let me just simply say this, and I promise it's the invitation. You've been so gracious. I know we've went longer. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ, it's a matter of life and death. My greatest fear is there are people that you come to church and you say you're saved but you, there's no evidence in your life other than you coming to church that Jesus Christ has radically changed your life. There's no... Listen, just hear me. I'm not trying to confuse anybody but if there's no desire for His Word, if there's no desire to serve Him, if there's no desire to seek Him in prayer, if there's no desire... I'm not telling we're all perfect but if there's no desire... For lost people, I just believe you ought to do some checking up. I just believe you ought to do some checking up. Because see, when Jesus Christ radically enters your life, boom, there's a change. Welcome to the front row, guys.
There's a change. He can't radically enter your life without you start acting like Him. Bottom line, do some checking up. Number two, if you're saved, God bless you. God bless you for living the life and seeking God. But maybe you want to come and pray the prayer, pray for a nation by starting, saying, God, start with me. Start with me, Lord. Maybe you want to come as a young adult and say, God, use me where I'm at. A senior adult, how can you? God, I'm in the workforce here. How can you use me? God, I'm walking through some stuff. Bring it to him. Let this be the beginning of a renewal and a resolve to Jesus. Families come. Individuals come. Teenagers, I don't care. Listen, we need to pray like never before. But let it begin with us. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. They're coming with a hymn of invitation. As I said, you've been so gracious this morning. I'm going to pray. They're going to sing. You obey the Lord. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We bless your name. Move in this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.